Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you on this day that we can call you our Father. And we can say to you, Happy Father's Day, Lord. Thank you for being a great father to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you turn in your Bibles to a few passages, starting off with uh, Exodus 24. Exodus 24, and then we're going to go to Revelation 7. But first, Exodus 24, Exodus 24, 6. Just to put us back in the the place where this was, uh, where these words were spoken about at the foot of Mount Sinai, where we read, in Exodus 24, 6, 24, 6, how that Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, and then you jump down to verse 8, verse 8, Exodus 24, 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Now, if you look over, please, to Revelation 7, last book in the Bible, Revelation 7, verse 13, Revelation 7, 13, Revelation 7, 13, where we read, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of them shall feed them, and shall lead them into ever, into living waters, fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, the focus of our messages on this subject has been really from this day that Moses stood above all the people there of Israel, and he took the blood of the sacrifices, and first he went and sprinkled the altar like we just read, and that was before the Lord, and then he took the same blood And he sprinkled the people, and when he did, he said these words, Behold the blood of the covenant. And since he has said that, man has been focused on what does that blood mean? What was that blood symbolizing? And it was not until the Passover dinner 2,000 years ago from now when all the symbolism of the blood sacrifices, they all came together when the Lord Jesus Christ stood up and he held that Passover cup 
And he said at that last supper or that last Passover in Matthew 26, 28, Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. Then it was at that meal when the Lord first presented the wine as the symbol of his blood that would be presented before God that would accomplish the great things. This is the first part of what Moses did was, was understood when Moses sprinkled the blood on the altar before the Lord and then the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was presented before God. He presented his blood before God in the, and, and that's when he accomplished great things for us. But not only did Moses sprinkle the blood on the altar, Moses then went on and sprinkled the blood on the people. And that showed the people that the blood did not automatically benefit the people. The blood had to be applied to the people. Now just imagine, if you can, just imagine for a moment, if there was someone in that group who said, you know, I just came because it's so interesting. I'm, I'm really here as a spectator. I'm really here as an observer. I want to see what Moses is going to do, but there's no way that I'm going to allow that blood to be sprinkled on me. I don't want that blood splashed on me. I'm going to run away. I'm going to shield myself so that blood doesn't fall on me. And if that person did that, if that person actually ran away and shielded himself from having the blood fall on him, then the blood would have no benefit to him individually. He would know what that what was happening with the blood, but it wouldn't apply to him. Each person had a choice to either stand there and be sprinkled with the blood or to run away and shield himself from being sprinkled with the blood. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ did not force anyone to drink that wine. He invited them all. He urged them all to drink of it. In Matthew 26, 27, Matthew 26, 27, the verse before, it says he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. He didn't force it. That was an invitation. He gave it for everyone to drink the cup. But if there was a person at that supper who said, no, I'm not going to drink that cup because I really don't want anything to do with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished nothing for that person. And we can look at Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot at that meal, he drank of the cup. He drank of the cup. Outwardly, he was drinking of the cup, but he wanted nothing to do with the blood of the Lord. And as a matter of fact, he'd already decided to destroy the Lord for money. And that's like so many people in churches today who outward look, they, outwardly they look like they have received the Lord Jesus Christ. They're doing all the things like going to church and, and that a real believer would do. But inwardly and secretly, they've said that, I don't want anything to do with the blood, with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the person in Moses' day who wholeheartedly allowed himself to be sprinkled with the blood, for that person who truly has received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, then when the Lord Jesus said that his blood was shed for you, he was referring to great things that his blood accomplished for believers and that's been the focus of the study right from the mouth of Moses, behold the blood, to see all the things, or many of the things, I should say, not all, but many of the things that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for us. And so far, we've seen some of those accomplishments. We've seen that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ removed our sins from the record. That was Hebrews 9.22. 
Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood is no remission, is no removal. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed our souls. It was the purchase money to buy our souls from 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18 through 19. Redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ met Adam's needs when he tried to sow fig leaves to cover himself, when there, he, had a, he needed to, to have a covering. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ provided for us the effective covering, or what is known as the Bible as the atonement. That was seen in Leviticus 17.11, where it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. God said, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement, a covering for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement, a covering for the soul. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ reconciled us, brought us back together again with God, brought us near to God, as it says in Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made near, made nigh, made near by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin, from sin's degradation. First John 1 John 1.17, 1 John 1.17, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And we've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ made peace. The war is over and peace now with God. Colossians 1.20, Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ justified us to God, justified us to God. The verse right after Romans 5, 8, which talks about God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The next verse, Romans 5, 9, Romans 5, 9 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. These are the accomplishments. These are some of the accomplishments of the blood of the Lord Jesus. The blood of the Lord Jesus for us, for us, When Moses says, behold the blood, these are the accomplishments that we see as we behold the blood. And I've been purposefully using this word, accomplishments, and accomplished to describe what the blood of the Lord Jesus achieved for us. Because when he cried out in John 19.30, when he cried out his last words, it is finished, it is finished, he was saying the Hebrew word, asa, asa, which means done which means accomplished. He was saying, it is accomplished, it is accomplished. So whenever you think of the last words of the Lord Jesus, it is finished, I don't want you to think of it like, I'm glad that was over, finally over. Don't think of it that way. I want you to think of him saying when he says it's finished, as saying it's accomplished, it's been achieved. So really in this series of Behold the Blood, we're studying what his last words meant when he said it's accomplished, it's achieved. From it is finished, we are studying what he accomplished with his blood. From it is finished, we are studying what all that he did, he asa, he did on the cross. And that's quite a list so far of those six accomplishments of the achievements of the blood of the Lord Jesus, remission 
redemption, atonement, reconciliation, peace, and justification. Now, we turn our focus to another accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus from this verse here in Revelation 7.14. In Revelation 7.14 that we just read, Revelation 7.14, where John says, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is a rare scene here in heaven. All of Revelation are rare scenes. This is a rare scene that we are privileged to see because it's the scene of the Apostle John during the time of the Revelation when God permitted John to see what's otherwise hidden from our eyes. And in this particular scene, John sees himself in heaven, and there's so much that just amazes John. And one of the elders brings John's focus on a special group of people there who are wearing white robes, as it says in verse 13. Verse 13 says, arrayed in white robes. And so John, looking at these stunningly white robes that they're wearing, the elder asked John, Two questions now. The first question is, who are these? Who are these? Or what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And the second question is, where did they come from? Where did these people come from? Or whence came they? Now, with that first question of who are these, there's so much loaded into that question. Who are these? It's a question loaded with marvel like, What a marvelous sight this is to see this large group of people in this magnificent white robes. Who are these? It's a question that's loaded with admiration. I admire, I envy those dressed in those beautiful white robes. Who are these is a question that's loaded with attention, like just look at those dressed in those remarkable white robes. The question Who is this means the same as turn your eyes over there. As the Song of Solomon said in Song of Solomon 3.6, when it says, Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? Or Song of Solomon 8.5, Song of Solomon 8.5, Who is this? that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved. I raise thee up under the apple tree. There thy mother brought thee forth. See this question, who is this? It means the same as, turn your eyes over here, look at this. And this is what, I, what Isaiah said about the Messiah in Isaiah 63.1, Isaiah 63.1. Who is this that cometh from Eden with dyed garments from Bozrah, that this is his glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. See, this question of who is this, it means the same as turn your eyes over here as Jeremiah said about the Lord Jesus in Jeremiah 46.7, Jeremiah 46.7. Who is this that cometh up as a flood whose waters are moved as the rivers? This is, will you look at these people in these white robes. And what's said in the following verses is going to answer the question 
as to who they are who are wearing these white robes. But the second question as to where they came from is answered four verses earlier in Revelation 7-9. Revelation 7-9. Revelation 7-9 says, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. These are people which cannot be numbered. There are so many. They come from everywhere, from all nations and people, group, all people groups, all languages. There are Germans, there are Americans, there are Norwegians, there are Japanese, there are Eskimos, there are Indonesians, there are Sudanese, there are Peruvians, Australians, Indians, Navajos, Chinese, Russians, and Jews. And none of them is sitting. They're all standing there before the throne of God and before the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, and they're all dressed in white robes. And they're not just standing there, they're singing. They're singing a song. It says in Revelation 5.9, Revelation 5.9 tells us it's a new song. They sung a new song saying, here's the words of the song. It's the hymnal from heaven here. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And they're singing this song about how worthy the Lord Jesus Jesus is because he was killed and he redeemed them to God by his blood. And then we're told in verse 14 that this great multitude of people, they came out of a great tribulation, a great tribulation. We've been praying for Jeffrey Woodkey, who hasn't been heard of since 2016, He's also one that's going to come out of a great tribulation. And the Lord Jesus told us that they came out of tribulation. Told us, as he says in, in Matthew 5.10, Matthew 5.10, blessed are they, they're blessed. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're in heaven. The Lord Jesus spoke of them being chased from city to city in Israel. In Matthew 10, 23, Matthew 10, 23, he said, but when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The Lord Jesus told us that they suffered great losses in their persecution. It says in Mark 10, 29, Mark 10, 29, Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, there's no man that has left house or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospels, but he shall receive a hundred, hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. They lost everything. They lost their houses. They lost their brothers, their sisters, their whole family. They lost their own wives, their children, their properties, but they were willing to lose it all to gain the Lord Jesus. They couldn't be happier at this time now in heaven before the Lord Jesus. They were singing maybe another song, take the world, but give me Jesus. And for some, 
who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes down to a choice between family or the Lord Jesus, between their own wife and children or the Lord Jesus, between properties and wealth or the Lord Jesus. These people in heaven, they chose the Lord Jesus. They lost it all. I can't talk about this without remembering a rabbi friend, an Orthodox rabbi friend, who flew out from New York to sit with us in the museum, Creation Earth History Museum. And we talked about the Messiah, and he was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, and he prayed and opened his heart to receive the Lord. And he said, I'm gonna turn my synagogue congregation to the Lord Jesus. Slowly, he said, carefully, he said. But when he went home and told his wife there was an atomic bomb explosion between him and his wife, and he was forced to choose. He was forced to choose, as she made it very clear. You will now choose. You will choose between me, the children, the family, the community, the home that my father owns, that we live in, the job, and you work for my father. All of his possessions on one side and the Lord Jesus make your choice. Tragically, he called me to tell me he made the wrong decision, the wrong decision. Even though I told him, I'm not God, but I know what God said. And all I can tell you is that if you choose the Lord Jesus, God will make it worth it to you. It will be worth it to you. Well, these in Revelation 7.14, they made the right choice. They chose the Lord Jesus, and they suffered all that loss, and they loved the Lord Jesus so much that when it came to losing their possessions, they were described in Hebrews 10.34, Hebrews 10.34, he had compassion to be in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Their attitude was, take the world, but give me Jesus. And the Lord Jesus told us that they suffered being strongly tempted with deceptions. He said in Matthew 24, 24, Matthew 24, 24, there shall arise false Christs, false messiahs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The persecution was intense with deceptions. Where they were constantly faced with a, maybe it's right, maybe it's true, maybe, I don't know. This persecution was a continual trouble for the believers. It says in Daniel 7.21, Daniel 7.21, I beheld the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. War with the saints, also spoken of in Revelation 13.7. Revelation 13.7, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 